For now, let's turn our attention to the latest report released by Corruption Watch. And of course, it looks at uh, corruption trends. It's the 2021 report. Melusi Ngala is the author of the report. Good morning, Melusi. Morning, and thank you for having us this morning. Sure, thank you for making time to speak to us. Firstly, when you compile these reports, the information that you're putting into it, so a lot of it actually relies on what people have come, what they have said to you. So over the years, how do you use this data to then paint a picture of what corruption effectively looks like and then draw out of it different themes that speak to corruption that need to be attended to? So um, it's a very good question to start us off. Um, in fact, with this um, analysis of corruption trends report, um, we have decided to go about the launch a bit differently in that we felt like we need to communicate the message in, uh, using different formats. Hence, we have a podcast as well that we go a little bit deeper into the stories. And this kind of speaks to how we go about using these whistleblower accounts, right? So there's legal intervention, um, there are exposés that we do, and there are research endeavors, or at least um, we use research for advocacy purposes, where we compile um, data so that we can understand the hotspots mm-hmm. where the corruption is happening, um, the issues, um, the people involved, and maybe then um, lobby or call for action um, so that we can bring about change. So that's how we've been using the data from a research perspective, at least um, as far as the five, because it's the fifth edition of this report. That's Mm -hmm. how how we've been doing it. Mm -hmm. When it comes to trying to analyze then which, which province, is the most corrupt province. I was, selling, I was saying to the listeners earlier that, you know, Gauteng in this report has come out as the most corrupt province. But how, how do you get to that determination? Um, it's not a case of um, measuring graft per se, um, because when we talk about corruption, there's not a perfect science in terms of saying who's the most corrupt or mm. um, which area is the most corrupt. But um, as I often argue, especially to my colleagues as well, that the whistleblower account that we have is the closest to what we have to understanding the manifestation of corruption. So um, in this regard, Gauteng, we have received the highest number of whistleblower accounts and that um, in this particular report, it comes from 42%, followed by Guazulu uh, Natal, which is 10%, Western Cape, 9%, Eastern Cape, 7%, and so on and so forth. I suppose... And, it- I suppose the the other way of of looking at it could well be that, you know, people in Gauteng, but I'm not sure if that would hold necessarily, are more likely to report corruption that they experience in Gauteng than anywhere else in the country. Would that be Uh, fair? Yes yes and no, um, Mm. because, I mean, we also need to look at at population density, right? Mm. Um, Mm. And maybe there is, there is some kind of correlation in that because think about Gauteng, there are over 15 million people living in Gauteng and most people um, move from other areas to Gauteng because it's a huge urban center of the country, um, almost an economic um, hub to many people. And so there's a lot of 
um, issues going on here, or a lot of things going on here um, relating to procurement, job opportunities, and so on and so forth. So in that respect, sure. But other areas as well, people are um, raising um, corruption as an issue, and it's something that hopefully officials will actually look at and not just say, well, um, we as Western Cape have 9% of these reports attributed to us and therefore it means corruption is not such a serious issue. Mm. The good thing is that, you know, you, you're picking up corruption being reported not just in the public sector but also in the private sector which shows the extent to which corruption is not limited in, in where it is taking place. Yeah, um, the prevalence of corruption is um, across all sectors in society and how we look at it as well as that there's an intersection between public sector and private sector corruption. Um, we see this in terms of um, grand or political corruption and in petty instances of corruption. So um, on, the, on the municipal level, or at least in the Department of Health, we, we, we can recognize what happened with the whole digital vibe situation. Um, then, of course, there are, there are issues that members of the public like to bring our attention to, to issues of um, banking sector um, and issues of fraud, or at least as far as the tiers or the temporary employment scheme goes um, in relation to COVID, where you have companies defrauding the state. Mm. So it happens across the board, and it, and it manifests itself differently. Let's look then more specifically at the sectors that you found um, had the highest numbers of reports of corruption against them. So um, in this particular report, we highlight that police corruption is still um, a trending focus area in that 12% of the reports are attributed to this. Um, the type of corruption that we're talking about here relates to abuse of authority, which is 37%, followed by dereliction of duty, which is 34%, followed by bribery extortion, which counts for 22%. Um, it's a vast amount of issues, and we explore these as well in our podcast in terms of how the corruption acts play out. This is followed by um, COVID-related uh, corruption, and it's a growing um, phenomenon that we're looking at here, and it, it relates to um, the tears issue. It also relates, in some respects, to the health issue, what's happening in our hospital in terms of procurement. And then it's this category is then followed by corruption in schools, as well as then corruption in public housing, which and those count for six percent and four percent respectively. Corruption by the police is, is is quite worrying. And you say here that, you know, you, you have police officers that care more about securing dodgy deals with criminal networks. Expand that for me. So it's one thing people reporting corruption of, uh, you know, police stopping them to um, ask them for a cold drink or whatever the case is where, where they caught speeding or, um, you know, it, it, those kinds of instances. But when it involves dodgy networks, that implies that the police are actively now involved 
in making sure that criminal networks continue to operate in the way that they do because they also have a stake, whether directly or indirectly. Yeah, that's how essentially how it plays um, out, right? So what we're talking about here are instances of corruption where uh, police officers use resources and, of course, the authority to uh, legitimize, if I can use that word, um, criminal networks such as drug dealers, for example, in communities. So when community members will go and complain about a person um, or they uh, open a case against a person being a drug dealer, the police will protect that individual and even go as far as to intimidate um, the person who opened the case or whistleblowers. Or they will allow these networks to operate in, um, in Shabin, whether these Shabins are operating legally or, le- or illegally. Mm-hmm. So those, that's, that, that's the kind of issue. But there are also other instances, right? So there's this pattern that we've picked up where um, the uh, whistleblowers are accusing the police to be working with escort agencies where a person will get will, will receive a call. This is something that we also explore in the podcast where mm. a person will receive a call um, and they'll be told that um, you have raped a person, uh, a woman, and for you, for, if you want us to drop these charges, this is the amount of money that you have to pay, an X amount of money, whether it's 5000 or 10000 depends, so, of course, on the case. So the police are actively involved in cases of extortion? Yes, um, at least in as far as these whistleblower accounts are mm. concerned. That's what we're seeing um, playing out. I mean, there are other instances as well, other cases that we, that we talk about in this report. This, to me, sounds like it is enough to actually have, you know, criminal charges brought against people. Um, what happens there? I mean, do, do people give you enough information that you can actually take forward? Because police officers who are in networks with drug dealers and extortionists certainly have no place being police officers. Well, you, you know, to people like yourself and perhaps many of your listeners, that's a given. That how is it so that we can have a society that operates in this particular manner? But this is our reality. Now the question then becomes, um, at, at what point in time are we going to hold people accountable for these criminal and corrupt acts? And um, that is what we're hoping that our intervention will bring about when we publish such reports or through our engagement with um, anti-corruption forums that, you know, that the police, for example, will do something about um, the, uh, the officers that are involved in acts of criminality. Yeah, it, 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 it is very concerning and it, it confirms, it confirms what many communities actually say about some police officers who operate in their communities who say, well, you know, th- they won't arrest the drug dealers because they are in cahoots with the drug dealers. And to the extent that you have this happening in various communities in this country, then you, you can just imagine the, the, the situation, the, the security situation for these communities and the extent to which they feel they can protect themselves, protect their children from being able to, to, to access these drugs. But, you know, when, when the protector 
becomes the one that's actually preying on you, then wh where do you go to run? Yeah, absolutely concerning. Let's look at the corruption in schools that uh, you have also looked into. What have you found? Yeah, we found that there are issues relating to employment corruption. Um, it's a growing trend in this particular respect. Of course, there's also abuse of authority, and there's also the issues of extortion. Um, this extortion is something that we um, are con deeply concerned about because not um, it involves um, our learners or students in our education um, institutions. Um, and, and as far as maybe people in authority soliciting sexual favors um, so that they can um, give them good marks or good grades. And then in terms of employment, um, we've had a couple of cases where um, you find that an employee, maybe an admin administrator at a school, um, can only secure a job because the principal or school governing body member is threatening that they will fire them or they'll have them dismissed um, if they're not if they do not continue to give them sexual favors. So these are the kind of things that we have that are happening in this space. But mm -hmm. there are also issues of um, officials, principals in the main, um, to be more specific, who are exploiting the COVID situation. Um, mm -hmm. You find that they are um, stealing PPE or, um, equipment and they are taking that and selling it or making making a profit out of it in some other way. In some instances, um, food that is meant for the feeding scheme is also not given to children in, in um, an appropriate way. For example, you might find that a principal, a principal or a school will procure resources for a school only for those resources to be taken back to the shop where they purchase it from uh, or the service provider. And then the money, instead of being returned to the school's account, it's been deposited into the principal or the school governing body member's bank account. Mm, 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 mm. Melusi, are we the problem as South Africans generally? It sounds like we are the problem that we have in, in, in inhibited a general culture of corruption. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I lament um, the lack of leadership in various spheres in society. And of course, you know, we also need to um, take responsibility as the little people, to say that, yes, we talk about corruption being a problem, but what are our individual acts? What are we doing to aid and abate the system that we are um, complaining about? You know, it's one thing that we want to point the finger and say, we don't have leaders, which is very true, because our leaders don't have integrity, they are unethical, and they don't have a social conscience. But at the same time, what little in the, um, choices are we making as a collective? Because that as well can bring about change whilst mm. we are dealing with systemic problems relating to corruption. It can bring about a lot of change, especially just listening to 
um, you know, some of the examples that you've given, because, you know, these, this is not that something that's happening far away. It's, it's, it's here. It's part of our, it's in our communities. We engage with some of these systems at schools. Parents were part of those governing bodies. Um, you know, what are we doing when these things are happening in, in front of us? Yeah, uh, you can be part of this conversation, 011-714-2006. That's the number uh, to use to get in touch with us this morning, 011-714-2006. Sizwe, good morning. You're calling us from Cape Town. The reason I called my name uh, or use somebody to call you guys only because you guys not pick up my calls and then you 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 sometimes cut me. You pretend it's so, 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 sorry, you said it's not Siswe. Who is it? Yeah, it's Figile Mbambi. I'm one guy known to be complaining a lot about corruption. Oh, Figile Mbambi. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, Mbambi. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm one person that has been targeted. It's very true that the schools and the police are working together with those cases. Yeah, mm. in Kailuta. You've got a school which is called Ludendam, Lana Primary School. The principal there has been used by a corrupt police uh, station commander who is now transferred and, and promoted uh, 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 now in Weinberg. Um, I'm a target mm. because of exposing the police. I am on Google search. And uh, all my claims are not being in actually a page and have been defended and denied against the FATS. Legal aid board has been barred for assisting. You remember the last time I spoke to you, I was begging to please to invite. Legal aid board, state attorney, and the ministry of police. Mm. I'm in hiding the police top brass, they know it in the Western Cape, even the National Commissioner. I'm not too sure how many times I've raised my, my issue with Pedigale. Pedigale made me travel from East London because I was running away because the, 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 the principal organized the sit on the principal of the very same school, which is not in the school, together with the system commander, who is now a system commander in Weinberg. If you guys as media would allow us to mention these things, these things would not be growing. The way in which they have crossed. I'm talking about corruption now. Well, 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 Fikile, have have you tried have you tried corruption watches as 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 as, no. a, as an alternative and as a place no. where you can go and no. and report? I don't this? lie. Uh, I, I've lost hope. But mm. my case is now with the public protector. Mm. Uh, um, I would say Kubani is, is very much aware of my case, mm. including Deputy uh, Advocate Kaler. Mm. Yesterday, I was in Lika uh, Airport asking them. For case numbers that were dumped against the police because the, the, the police military made sure that the little airport was not assisting. There's a proof of emails communicating in which the, 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 the attorney, the airport attorney, was not supposed to be communicating with the advisor of the FATS, but instead they were supposed to be communicating with the state attorney, but instead they chose to communicate with the former advisor to Minister Nathan Tech. Mm. And there's a disturbing data that mentions me. So, 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 I'm, so, I'm, so maybe, Figile, maybe, Figile, what we need to do is that we we actually just need to help you get in touch with Corruption Watch so that uh, you can also give them the information that, that you have and see um, if, if there's anything further that that they can do with it. Melusi? Yeah, no, um, definitely. I'd encourage you to put Figile to 
reported this um, act of corruption to us, and then we can see whether our various teams can actually look into this matter a little bit more mm. because it sounds like there's a lot happening. Yeah. It involves a lot of players. Yeah. And um, if it, it would be encouraging if it does have evidence. And if it does, I would say that should he, um, can you please call us on 011-242-3900 or go to our website, www.corruptionwatch.org.za. Okay. All right. Mohammed in Ekuruleni, good morning. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Yes. Thank you so much. It's a lovely program. This corruption is really a bad scourge, man, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to also just find out if the illicit capital outflows are part of the what Corruption Watch looks at. Because the other day on this uh, same radio station, it was reported about, I don't know, how many billion, a hundred billion, several hundred billion rand went out in illicit capital outflows in the past year. 90% of which were from corporate and other businesses, and only 10% were like brown envelope government stories. So all corruption is bad, and I just want hoping that we are focusing across the spectrum rather than only on the politically expedient one. I'll, I'll listen on the radio. Okay, thanks for that, Mohammed. Thank you. And Bye. yeah, it's an important point. Uh, Malusi? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, um, we do have uh, team members working on illicit financial flows. Um, it's, it's an area that we've been definitely looking with because it's part of the, um, the Transparency International to whom we are um, a chapter of has a program looking at these kind of issues involving how the role of lawyers, uh, the role of multinational companies, mm. et etc. et cetera, you know. But um, unfortunately not in this particular report because we haven't really received reports of corruption. Well, we do receive, but they haven't made um, the numbers required to be part of this report. And and, 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 and in terms of how much numbers that you would need, um, how does that work? What is the system that you use? No, basically, it's just about highlighting the most prevalent forms of corruption. I see, I uh, see, I yes. see. Okay. So, based on this 1,964, um, people, because we're guided by whistleblower accounts, so mm. this is what these are the top issues that whistleblowers are comp- and that's hence we also say that there is an intersection, just to respond to the caller, that there is an intersection between public uh, sector and private sector corruption. We do not believe that the one should be looked in isolation versus the other because ultimately it affects us as the people on the ground. Yeah, and and if we've learned anything from the Zondo Commission of Inquiries that the two have a very mutually beneficial relationship. Yes, that's um, that's true. Mm-hmm. All right, Melusing Nala is the author of the latest Corruption Watch report. As you heard there, yeah, it's jaw-dropping stuff, you know. And the fact that they they're worried about the increase of extortion, teachers extorting sex from learners to get better marks—is that the state of our nation? It's 11 o'clock and Musa has your latest news update.